Good morning. You are on the corner of Lunacy and Nutcracker Street. My name is Anne Marie. Today, I have a quote of the day from J.R.R. Tolkien. Today's his birthday. Born on this date in 1892, he passed September 2nd, 1973. And the quote is this. The wide world is all about you. You can fence yourselves in, but you cannot forever fence it out. And that's your quote of the day. Here are your horoscopes for January 3rd, 2020 by... Linda C. Black, done by Nancy Black. Aries, today is an eight. Educational discovery beckons. You have itchy feet for about six weeks with Mars and Sagittarius. Travel delights, explore, learn, and pursue a personal passion. Taurus, today is a seven. Consider a mystery from another perspective. Mars enters Sagittarius, favoring actions generate shared financial benefits. Create budgets, concepts, and outlines. Organize and plot. Gemini, today's a seven. Collaboration is key for this next phase. With action-oriented Mars and Sagittarius for six weeks, a partnership gets more accomplished for less. Create together. Cancer, today's an eight. The pace picks up over the next six weeks with Mars and Sagittarius. Prioritize rather than panicking. Postpone what you can prepare for a perfect performance leo today's an eight follow a passion explore with childish curiosity you're especially romantic and charming with mars and sagittarius take action for love share some fun and enthusiasm virgo today's an eight put physical energy into home renovation organization and beautification with mars and sagittarius This next phase favors family connection and comfort. Enjoy domestic bliss. Libra, today is an eight. Write, broadcast, and post. Energize your communications over the next six weeks with Mars and Sagittarius and share what you're learning with your partner. Scorpio, today's nine. Physical action pays off. There's money coming in and plenty to spend it on with Mars and Sagittarius. Get into a six-week income surge. Sagittarius, today's nine. Push past old barriers. Discover new power and decisiveness for about six weeks with Mars in your sign. Take action for a personal dream. Capricorn, today's a six. Revise plans, visions, and strategies with Mars and Sagittarius. Clean closets, garages, and attics. Enjoy nostalgia and old photos. The action is behind the scenes. Aquarius, today's an eight. Teamwork is the name of the game for the next six weeks with Mars and Sagittarius. Anything's possible together. You can accomplish miracles with friends. And Pisces, today's a nine. Move forward boldly. Advance your career with Mars and Sagittarius. Step into new professional leadership and authority over about six weeks and seize the day. These are your horoscopes for January 3rd, 20. If you were born today, January 3rd, you are 
playful, clever, and you have a terrific sense of humor. Youthful all of your life. While you do respect age and seniority, you don't always accept that you're aging. Because you are quite quick-witted, it is easy for you to discover that you can lie and get away with it at a very young age. It's up to you how you choose to use your cleverness. Many of you are quite spiritual in your beliefs in your adult life. Freedom and independence are extremely important to you. Famous people born today include J.R.R. Tolkien, Stephen Stills, John Paul Jones, Mel Gibson, Bobby Hull, Victoria Principal. For your year ahead, imagine your dream home, dream job, and your life this year. Generate long-lasting personal results with focused, steady action. You're on top of the world this winter before jumping a partnership hurdle. Summer introspection and a roadblock redirects you towards a fine romance. Follow your heart's desire. Happy birthday, Capricorns! Today in Rock, January 3rd, 1957, Fats Domino recorded I'm Walking. It's a song he wrote when his car broke down and a fan shouted, Hey, look at Fats Domino. He's walking. The record won't be released for over a year, but it would go on to reach number four on the U.S. pop chart, number one on the R&B chart in April of 1958. In 1959, the Teddy Bears appeared on NBC's Craft Music Hall, where they performed their recent Billboard number one hit, To Know Him Is To Love Him, but that would also be their last hit as they were about to break up. 1960, Bobby Darren and Connie Francis paired up to sing You Make Me Feel So Young and You're the Top on The Ed Sullivan Show. 1963, After placing 30 songs on the Billboard chart with Imperial Records, Rick Nelson signed a 1 million 20-year contract with Decca, where he achieved six more top 40 hits. That same year billed as the Love Me Do Boys, the Beatles kicked off a five-day tour of Scotland at the Two Red Shoes Ballroom in Elgin. 1964, the Beatles were seen for the first time on a U.S. TV show when a clip from the BBC's The Mersey Sound showing the group playing She Loves You was shown on the Jack Parr show. At that point, Parr was not much of a fan and made fun of their haircuts on the air. In 1965, a song called Leader of the Laundromat by the Detergents peaked at number 19 on the Billboard pop chart during its seven-week run. That record was a spoof of the Shangri-La's Leader of the Pack. The writers of Leader of the Pack would file a copyright lawsuit, which was settled out of court. 1967, the Beach Boys' Carl Wilson refused to report to the local draft board after getting his draft notice. He would eventually win conscientious objector status and the Bee Gees achieved their first recording success 
when a song called Spicks and Specks rose to the top of the Australian singles chart. It didn't make much of a splash in UK or North America, but it reached number two in the Netherlands and number 28 in Germany. In 1969, 30,000 copies of John Lennon and Yoko Ono's album Two Virgins were seized at a New Jersey airport because the cover showed the couple naked. A vice squad in Chicago shut down a record store displaying the album, causing the distributor to sell the LP in a plain brown paper wrapper. 1970, what would prove to be the Beatles' final recording session is held at EMI's Abbey Road Studios. Last song they ever played together was I, Me, Mine, and that would be the title of George Harrison's autobiography a decade later. That same year, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, taken from the soundtrack of the film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, becomes B.J. Thomas' third U.S. top 10 hit and his first number one. It also made number 38 in the UK. And that same year, following footsteps of Peter Tork, who quit a year earlier, Davy Jones announces he too is leaving the Monkees. 1972, Don McLean received a gold record for a single American Pie, which reached number one in the US and number two in the UK, selling over 3 million copies. In 1974, Bob Dylan and the band reunited for a U.S. tour. Dylan was promoting his Planet Waves album while the band had just released Moondog Matinee and the single Ain't Got No Home. 1976, Bob Dylan's song Hurricane topped out at number 33 on the Billboard singles chart, helping to cause enough publicity to eventually get former boxer Reuben Hurricane Carter released from jail. That movie about Carter's life starring Denzel Washington was of course released in 2000. 1995, 46-year-old Byron McGregor whose spoken word rendition of The Americans became a U.S. number five hit early in 1974, passed away as a result of complications stemming from pneumonia. In 2009, Great Britain's commercial radio show Hit 40 UK announced it would no longer use CD sales for official figures. The Network Top 40 chart program broadcasted across 130 stations based It's weekly charts solely on digital downloads, and still does. 2012, Gloria Stefan became the first female artist in the history of the Billboard Latin singles chart to enter at number one when Hotel Nacional debuted at the top. 2014, Phil Everly of the Everly Brothers passed away of complications of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease at the age of 74. And in 2017, 50-year-old Janet Jackson welcomed her first child with her billionaire husband, Wissam Almana. 
And that was your day in rock. What is a New Year's resolution? Well, it's something that goes in one year and out the other. On Futurism.com, there's an article. Okay, this article says, Astrophysicist says he knows how to build a time machine. Okay. So, the man in question, astrophysicist Ron, Ron Mallet, hmm, Mallet like a hammer, believes he's found a way to travel back in time theoretically. He's written a scientific equation that could serve as the foundation for an actual time machine. He's even built a prototype device to illustrate a key component of his theory. Though Mallet's peers remain unconvinced that his time machine will ever come to fruition. Well, you know, there were people that said the world was round, and everybody was like, no, you're crazy, and then... Well, I guess we're back to the world being flat, and now you're crazy. People are really confused down here all the time. But the interesting thing about this is that just like genetics, which, you know, we're involved with changing the human blueprint, if you will, um... Will this bring up moral questions if they can actually get this thing going? Meaning, are you supposed to change the world? Would it be good to change the world? Superficially, it seems like, yes, it would be fine to change the world and prevent the Holocaust and the Black Plague and all that stuff. But then morally, are we supposed to change the world? Are we supposed to be able to have this ability? Is this something we're supposed to have? Then you can argue, well, if we're not supposed to have it, why have we been able to do it? And on and on again, you could go down the rabbit hole with this. But at this point, what he's saying is that it would have a severe limitation, the time machine, that would prevent anyone from, say, traveling back in time to kill baby Adolf Hitler. He says you can send information back, but you can only send it back to the point at which you turn the machine on. Kill a baby, even if it was Hitler. Even if it was a Hitler. Who would kill a baby? I, I don't know. It's kind of it sounded kind of bad, didn't like it, it, when I said it? I feel like you go back and kill Hitler, not as a child. Like, right. That's that's well, then the question is, like, why do we have the right to do that? Should we have the right to do that? Sure. And instead of killing the baby, could you not instead change events in the baby's life so the baby doesn't become this horrible human that kills people? Mm -hmm. Could you change 
the baby's life's outcome. Or maybe you couldn't. Maybe you would find out that everything just happens this way anyway because we really can't change anything. Are you busy? Um, I'm not busy yet, but I'm just wrapping up here. So this was the corner of Lunacy and Nutcracker Street, and my name is Anne-Marie. I'm going to leave you to think about that, and if you want to make a comment, please share. Have a great day. Have a great Friday. Bye.